Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast brought to you by Cartavera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. This is episode 102, and today it's Craig and I chatting about a topic that you know about, but maybe don't always think about it this way. The title is, What's Your Tolerance Factor? The many ways that tolerance is limiting your leadership, impact, and relationship. We're not talking about the type of tolerance that we need more of in the world of tolerating people's differences and things like that, but we're talking about the the ways and the things and the people we tolerate in our business and our teams and in our lives. Perhaps it's those situations where we tolerate that people are not following policies or not living and leading in accordance with our values. It could be a particular person, either personally or professionally, that we are tolerating. We're going to talk about the full range of tolerance today, both personally, professionally, and leadership and relationships. And we're going to give examples. We're going to talk about some of the impacts that you may have had some blind spots on and missed. And we're also going to offer you what we call the tolerance assessment process. This is a step-by-step way for you and the other people around you to take a close, honest, and very specific look at the tolerance, the impact, and to make decisions about what you're going to do about that tolerance going forward. It might be an uncomfortable conversation, but that's how we create great outcomes and big change. And get ready to hear more on the tolerance factor. Leadership Junkies podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. Welcome back to Leadership Junkies. This is just a session with Jeff and me, and we're going to be talking about something called tolerance. Now, in a lot of contexts, we think about tolerance as one of those things we need to be more tolerant of people of differences, you know, who who think differently and act differently and are different in in various ways. But we're actually talking about tolerance in a different context today. So in today's discussion of tolerance, We're talking about what you tolerate becomes your baseline. If you are tolerating something other than what your values are, it's not the values that drive your organization. It's your tolerance. Yeah, Craig, this, you know, this word tolerance, uh, I can remember vividly when the phrase or the word hit me in the middle of a workshop. I I remember it was in Las Vegas (laughs) and I remember going over to the flip chart and writing almost exactly what I'm about to share, the same, these words, which went like this. I wrote, your leadership, your culture, and your impact is not defined by what you preach, by, but by what and who you tolerate. Oof. Not only, you know, not what you preach. A lot of people, because when I put it up, I'll say, they'll say, oh, by what you do. I said, no, by what and who you tolerate. And I remember at the moment thinking I'd never had the thought before. <laughs> I felt like I was onto something because literally someone in the audience jumped up out of their chair and said, no, that's not right. <laughs> then that's when you know it is, right? <laughs> oh, I said, oh, wow, this is good. Let's go. Oh, here we go. 
you know, you know <laughs> right. take my hands and rub them together with excitement. Yeah. And I proceeded, I'll give you the background as a kickoff this. I said, well, what about this is not true? I said, you may not like that it's true. <laughs> but I said, the truth is that what and who you tolerate is the determiner of so many things. But we want to pretend it's not really that impactful or it's a one-off. He said, well, no, no, no. But I've got something that I tolerate. And I said, well, okay, let's talk about it. <laughs> I said, so is it a what or a who? He said, well, it's a who. Right. I said, he said, I've got a business partner who treats our people pretty horribly. And then what he said was, he said, you know, basically when it comes to our people, he's a word that starts with A and ends with whole. I said, okay, how long has this been going on? He says, 25 years. Wow. And I said, well, what's your excuse for tolerating this person? He said, no, 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 it's not an excuse, Jeff. It's a reason. And I said, well, if that makes you feel better, <laughs> yeah. we'll call it a reason. And I said, so tell me the why. Why are you tolerating this person? And he kind of got really quiet and said, he's my brother. Hmm. And I said, oh, so this is about holidays. This is about <laughs> relationship. There's a relationship risk here. Yeah. But I said, let's look at the facts. No matter how well you treat your people, no matter how well you think you do as a business, you've got a partner who is treating people, your words, horribly on a regular basis. Hmm. And th that is not only going, this is the thing I said you don't want to hear is, it's not only going to have an impact on your business, it actually defines the values and the culture of your business. So true. That's the difference. It's not just, most people would say it has an impact, but it actually is the, it is the bar for your business. What and who you tolerate. Yeah, gosh. It's, it's interesting when you look back at that, and I, I'm thinking in, in several different companies that I've worked in um, and even personal relationships and what we, what we allow to happen really does define because now there's an expectation that that person is going to be able to do it again and again, or that they're not going to be able to do it because you've shut it down. Well, and it shows up in so many ways. As I look back over the years, I just didn't have the word for it. I, I remember a client I had, oh God, 10, 12 years ago, <laughs> who they were having struggles with their um, billing process. They were really struggling to get their bills out on time and therefore collections were slow. And this is a, you know, it's a process question. Yeah. When I looked at the process, the process needed some tweaking for sure. Mm-hmm. But even when we tweaked the process, I said, well, if we improve the process, what's the issue? And one of the senior people said, well, not everybody follows the process anyway. <laughs> and I said, well, who's the biggest uh, problem? And he says, one of the owners. And so I went and talked to the owner. And I said, so we need to get you on board with this because you're, you not following the process basically says to everyone else, they don't have to follow the process. Yeah. Here's what he said. No, that's not true. I'm an owner. They're employees. <laughs> uh, hello, McFly. <laughs> yeah. uh, now, so there's a bigger issue there, right? But we've also right. got the issue of tolerance because when people are allowed to not follow a process, for example, doesn't matter what the supposed reason is, I'll say excuse, it still has an impact on how other people see whether they 
need to follow it, want to follow it, follow it all the time, follow it some of the time. And imagine this, when someone basically gets disciplined for not following a policy that someone else doesn't follow, what does that do to your yeah. team engagement and your levels of trust? Or There's inequity. Total inequity. And it seems obvious, but I think it's one of these things <laughs> that, it, which is judging by the person that jumped up in the room, we don't want to look at that because we don't want it to be true. I mean, we, we spend all this time defining our values and creating our mission statement and, you know, doing the things that we should be doing so that we can have an aligned organization. And then we allow people to deviate from that. Now, when, when I use the word allow here, it's basically comes back to the tolerance factor. It's not saying, oh yeah, Jeff, I'm going to let you do this. You know, it's never communicated verbally like that. It's always just like, you know what, I'm not going to call them to task because they're, they're really good in these other areas. So I'm not going to really, you know, point them out and say, you know, you, you need to do better here. Or if we do, it's like, you know, Jeff, you, you just need to get a little bit better in here. We need to follow the process, but then there's no real checkup. Yeah. And, and this could, I, I want us to go into a lot of examples for our listeners, because sometimes we think of only big things. <laughs> but most of the time, it's a little thing, like that example of the partner who was just not yeah. the people well is a big thing. But let's look at a micro issue. Meetings. Do meetings start and finish on time? Right. And most organizations, they don't do either because it's allowed to happen. And then people get frustrated with the meetings. I remember years ago, I was working at a company leading their business development effort, and I put in a policy new policy. <laughs> and I, I'll tell you, by the way, it's a great book, a uh, great resource on meetings is Vern Harnish's Rockefeller Habits. Yeah. Wonderful chapter on more effective meetings. Probably the best I've ever read. Better than Death by Meeting with uh, Patrick Lencioni? Yeah, because it's more practical. Oh, okay. Patrick, Patrick's a great book, but I, I felt like the chapter on meetings and Rockefeller Habits just had <laughs> so many tactical things, such yeah. as starting meetings on odd times. Yeah, right. Yeah. At, so at I 8, 12, we're going to start the yeah. meeting. So I implemented that. And here's what I told the team. I said, the meeting, I think, started at 8.04. The meeting is going to start at 8.04. You need to be in the room by 8.04. If not, you're not allowed to join the meeting late. And the very first meeting we had under that, it was a Monday morning. And we go into the conference room. We start the meeting. And someone knocks on the door and it's the front desk person saying, hey, such and such is on the phone. He's running late. He wants to call into the meeting. I just looked up and said, no, tell him no. She comes back, <laughs> she comes back again and says, he, he, he's available to, to call into the meeting. I said, I'm sure he is. Tell him no. So, so he gets there about, I don't know, five or 10 minutes later. He comes to walk in the room and I said, no, the meeting started. I'll see you after the meeting. Just very, no, just matter of fact. Yeah. He was like, what? I'm here. I no said, ill intent or anything like that. No, it was just, yeah. I know. I went back. He goes, what are you doing? I said, name happened to be Bob. I said, Bob, um, was, was it clear what time the meeting started? Yeah. Was it clear that if you weren't in there when we started, you wouldn't be able to join the meeting? Well, yeah, it was clear, but I didn't think you meant it. <laughs> okay. I didn't have to do that very often. People got right. it, right? Sure. It took like once to say, this is the process that applies to everyone. Yeah. And we quickly built a new muscle. But, but if I had impact? let that slip now, you don't have to be on time. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so we then believe that 
we don't have to believe what somebody says. So what was the impact there? I mean, ultimately he missed the meeting. So did somebody have to fill him in on what's going on? What, did there need to be some additional information from that person? You know, what, what happened? Well, the impact was on me because I had to spend a few minutes with him. It was a check-in meeting, so it was pretty brief. Okay. I got my check-in from him. Uh, but he, I remember him saying, what did everybody else think? I said, uh, from what I discerned, it seems like they understand the meeting started on time. <laughs> but the interesting thing is we kept the policy, but we didn't really have to enforce it a lot. Yeah. Because once we made it clear that we're not going to tolerate exceptions, then everybody got it. Right. And that's the thing about tolerance, we think, is these things that we allow and people we allow, which we do, but it usually takes just a little crack. And that's what we forget. We say, well, this is a one-off, but then the one-off becomes a two-off and the two-off, and all of a sudden, we've got a big issue, whether it started big or is a small issue such as, I don't mean to say small, but an abuse, a verbally abusive manager versus timeliness to a meeting, people might see as different. Yeah. What I'm saying is that the tolerance impact is the same. It defines your culture, defines how things are going to go in your business. And frankly, in your life, as you know. Yeah. And if we say that, you know, we, we have the value of caring for our people and yet we allow that abusive person to be there I've seen entire divisions of companies decimated because of one bad manager and that that was allowed to continue. I don't know how much the the HR or leadership knew about what was going on inside that group. It wouldn't have taken too much to figure that out, but ultimately the entire department was gone. And that was one that made, you know, probably about 20% of the revenue of the company. Well, and the, you mentioned revenue because this is one of the, I'll put air quotes on it, reasons for our tolerance. Because what we typically find <laughs> right. is we find one of two scenarios. One is that we've just got too much tolerance everywhere. There's nobody accountable for anything. It's just, it's a free for, it's a wild, wild west, even if we have processes and systems. The other, which is more typical is the people who are not following a process or not living a value are in some regards a high performer. Right. I'm not going to say they overall are, because I would argue that's the problem. They're not overall, but they've, they're delivering value, especially if they're directly connected to revenue generation. Yeah, or they have some unique skill. Yes, that's, I mean, that's where you see people, frankly, getting away with it <laughs> because people are afraid, frankly, to address it because they're, they don't want to lose the person yeah. And what they don't realize in this, it's like it's like saying to your people, not like it is, it is, you just didn't say the words. This is what we've decided is important. But for other reasons, we're going to allow this person to act or not act inconsistent with what we say we believe in and how we're going to do business. Yeah. But and basically we're saying they're more important than you because we expect you to follow it, but not them. Right. It's interesting. In my younger and uh, less uh, politically astute days, (laughs) I started a role as a head of IT for a company. And about, I don't know, three, four weeks in, I I decided I was going to just kind of document what I had experienced 
as a new person, you know, with fresh eyes coming into the leadership team of this company and uh, deliver that to the CEO. Well, one of the people I called out, I was like, you know, this is a value that we have that we're going to, you know, respect the people around us. And this one person is really not, you know, meeting up to those standards. I didn't realize it was the third largest owner of the company. And so, you know, there was nothing said about it, but um, there was no change. By the time I left that company, which is 10, 11 years later, something had happened, but it was, you know, within that last year that that person really did a major shift and really started treating people well. So, was, you know, I don't know what happened. Um, maybe there was coaching involved or something else, but. Anyway, that, that was allowed to happen. There were certain project managers that were allowed to not follow directions because they were generating the majority of the, the income. Yeah, there's, um, as, we, as you were talking, Craig, I was thinking of other examples I've seen over the years of what I would now label tolerance. I didn't yeah. know the concept then. Yeah, so here's an example of how the impact is there even though we think it's not, and it can be these subtle things. I, I was had a client a few years ago who had a greatly underperforming team member. Yeah. And my question when I was assessing the team was, why is this person still here? Mm-hmm. And that's a that's an unusual assessment for me to make early on, but it was so obvious. <laughs> wasn't performing, wasn't working to get better, wasn't receiving feedback, seemed very defensive about everything. And frankly, I just said, I think she's biding her time until she finds another job. And they said, well, you know what? We'd hate to make a change now. There's a lot going on. We don't want to put a burden on other people on the team. I said, no, that's a mistake because what you're telling everybody else is that this type of performance is acceptable and nothing's going to happen. They said, no, 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 we'll, we'll do this, make a decision eventually. And they even had a target date. And sure enough, that target date came maybe 60 days later, and they let that person go on a Friday. And on Monday, their best person quit. And when they said, why? Why on earth are you leaving? They said, because you didn't fire that person two months ago. Wow. You have known how she's performing and not, and you have allowed that. You have allowed that. And they said, well, well we were trying to look out for you. Because <laughs> in their mind, it was looking out for them to not put an extra burden on the team. And how often do we say that in our organizations? We don't want to overburden the team right now. But the impact was because the truth of that tolerance was that it's okay not to perform. And in fact, when we all know that you should be gone, we're going to keep you here for a couple months and pay you. <laughs> To not do your job, basically. Yeah. So if that's what you stand for, I don't want to be here. Yeah. And th- that's just such an, when you look at it, you go, that's, a, of course, that's what people would conclude. But sometimes it's hard to see because we think that our choices, including our tolerance, doesn't have an impact and it does. Yeah. Wow. I, I look at this and then I, I take that to a couple different places. One, you know, right now we've been talking about what other people have experienced and other people who have not, you know, met up to certain standards. And yet, if we start looking at ourselves and say, okay, what are people tolerating in us right now? This is, this is the learning opportunity. This is where 
the feedback is so important so that we can hear from other people. These are some areas that it would be great if you could work on these things. You know, for example, in a personal relationship, maybe I fly off the handle and get angry at certain things. You know, I just get triggered by something and I disrespect the other person. Okay. That's not something that the other person should tolerate. And then, of course, when they say something, then I get defensive and, you know, it just kind of becomes a, an issue. It's really difficult to break that. I mean, as somebody who has tried to go through that and said, okay, you know, I want to be responsive to when somebody, you know, let's take my wife, for example, if she says, wow, Craig, you know, your, your tone was really off there. Well, you know, I'll give an excuse rather than saying, wow, okay, let me take a breath, step back, apologize, admit what happened, consider what the trigger was and, you know, be thoughtful about it. It's not always easy to do that in the moment. <laughs> well, no, and that's why it's helpful. It's so vital for us to have some sort of outside perspective. Yes. Um, it, whatever it is, because so often, whether it's in an organization, in a team, in our personal relationships, we have blind spots and we miss these things and we don't realize the impact we're having. Um, and like, it's interesting you brought that up because in some respect, uh, actually, I hadn't thought about it this way, Craig, if you take that phrase of, you know, leadership, culture, and impact seems businessy, yeah. but is determined not by what you preach or do, but by what and who you tolerate. Yeah. The same is true in our personal relationships. Absolutely. Like when, when people say, I'm just tired of, um, I don't know why this person keeps treating me this way. <laughs> well, it's I easy to blame them. It doesn't mean that their behavior is okay. I'm not suggesting yeah, that. Sure. I said, well, but more importantly, why are you tolerating it? Right. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've, I've had to duck a couple punches after saying that. <laughs> um, that's yeah. literal. That is literal because it pisses people off. Right. And I think it pisses people off because it's that sort of, it's not a slap. It's just that hand comes around and goes, oh my God, I am tolerating that. Yeah. It's, am I tolerating? You're, you're showing in the mirror. Yes. Well, I had this situation, um, gosh, one of my first professional jobs um, running IT for a company and one of the guys in the group, he was a ex-special forces guy, had served in, you know, during Grenada and stuff like that. And I remember, you know, he would just cuss at me and this, that, and the other. And, and I said, you know, just don't. And it never got through to him. And then one day walked into his office, closed the door. I said, Mike, we need to talk. I said, the way that you have responded to me, the way that you use the language, you know, whatever these things are, not acceptable. I said, I like you. You know, I want to work with you effectively. This is not working for me. He totally changed because he knew that I was no longer going to tolerate that. I think that's a great personal example, Craig. And I think it's one of those things that a lot of people are dealing with today when the topic, <laughs> whether it's at work, but often in personal relationships, yeah. the topic is something about diversity or inclusion or multiculturalism mm -hmm. because someone says something that you find offensive. And then you have that question of, Maybe it doesn't directly, it's not about me, but the, whatever it is, is offensive to me. Do I speak up? But if I don't, then I'm tolerating it. Right. And why would I expect it to change? And what I found is 
it has led to some difficult conversations. But more often than not, people I have found despite through the discomfort will be open to saying, huh, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. I'm willing to say, you know what? I may not use the word tolerate, but I'm drawing a line saying, I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with that language. I'm not okay with that joke. I'm yeah. not okay with that. Frankly, the statement you just made about someone, I'm not okay with it. And, and here's one. I know. Go ahead with your thought because I, I don't want to switch to the business side. No, of no. I I was just going to say after that, Mike and I were able to have a very congenial work environment, and he, I mean, he really did his best to to not go there. I would hope that that also translated to him not doing that to other people as well. Um, but we had a good working relationship from that point forward, and I think it's it's really coming to grips with what you want in your life and what you do not want getting clear on that and then saying, okay, I'm going to set boundaries here. I'm not going to let people treat me like dirt. And here's, here's one thing that I found is that when you expect people to treat you well, they do. I, I just like, if I go to a restaurant and I expect to be served well, I have great servers. I don't know what it is. When you made that comment about just bringing attention to it, as you know, Craig, I like movies and television, and I <laughs> right. always, I always, often flash back to a scene in MASH, and Hawkeye, who many will remember, yeah. a, Alan a general had come, basically wanted to hire him as his personal physician, and Alan Alda basically says, I don't want to do that, I'm a surgeon, let me save lives, and tries to act out, and the general says, yeah, I see what you're doing, now it's going to work, you're coming with me. And what Hawkeye says to him, it gets into this tolerance thing because huh. he said, you keep saying that the men are the number one priority. Hmm. Well, are they or aren't they? Because what he was saying is if they really are, then you're going to let me stay here and save lives. Wow. If they're not important, then you're going to pull me out of here and let me, you know, watch you die of a heart attack in the next couple of years. So that's a variation of tolerance to look at. Yes, we need to consider what and who are we tolerating? But what are we no longer willing to tolerate in our lives, whether it be treatment, even, even some tolerance issues within our own um, boundaries, right? for example. You know, here's an example. I, it's easy for me to get caught up in work a lot, yeah. even though I love what I do. And so, when I to so a tolerance I might have is uh, I'm going to default to doing work and not exercise. <laughs> right. I'm going to say, oh, I, I want to go for a walk or a run or a swim or a bike ride or a kayak, uh, but there's so much to do. And I and have to serve my clients. And I have to serve my clients. So I, but I end up <laughs> tolerating my own willingness to not look out for myself. Self-tolerance. Yeah. So Self-tolerance. Yeah. Boy, I, I mean, it's just like before COVID, um, I, had, I had dropped 60 pounds. And... Since COVID, I gained back 50. And I was like, wait, oh yeah. Okay. Finally, I came to the place of no more tolerance. And uh, so back back on my downwards, downward trek. But it's just like, why would I get down so close to my goal and then allow myself to fall apart like that? That was a tolerance thing. It was, okay, I'm going to get into this low resource level and and just not follow what I consider to be my values. Well, and I, I want to come back to another business idea that came up earlier as we were chatting. 
uh, I'm around tolerance. I'm going to label it drama. <laughs> yeah. So many organizations. First of all, I think people misunderstand drama. They'll say anything personal is drama. No, it's not. Yeah. But there is things that is drama that is drama. And people will say, why doesn't it end? I said, well, because you, because you tolerate it. Yeah. I said, no, we tell people all the time. I said, wait, telling people things is not it. And they'll say, so what do we do? How do we stop drama? I said, you stop listening to it. <laughs> I but said, that's not empathetic, Jeff. It. Yes, it is. It's empathetic. <laughs> Empathet- empathy does not mean no boundaries. Wow. And a lot a of people think point. that that's a, that's something I just shared actually in a workshop the last couple of weeks. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. Too often we think I have to decide, am I going to be empathetic or hold set and hold a boundary mm. completely separate? I can hold the boundary with empathy. Yeah. That's the misconception. And so, you know, with drama, people will say, well, how do we stop? I say, stop listening to it. Set yeah. a policy that says, for example, Craig, here's the expectation. If Craig, if you come to me to talk to me about um, Joe, mm-hmm. as soon as you start, I'm going to say, hang on a second. Have you talked to Joe about this? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, actually, I haven't. Well, no, let's stop right there. Let's <laughs> stop right now. Um, here's the thing. I'm happy to go. I'm I, Go talk to Joe. If you need support, I'm happy to come with you. If you think it needs that, I'm actually happy to listen to you to help you figure out how to talk to Joe, mm. but you're not going to talk to me about Joe. So Stop. good. Stop right there. Cause when we tolerate the com- and we'll say, I'm not pr- contributing to it. Yes, you are. Because in, when it comes to drama, it's like fire, fire needs, um, uh, oxygen. Yeah. Fuel. And it needs some fuel. Well, <laughs> the, the, the listening is both the oxygen and the fuel. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. I've been a Beta Gamma Sigma member for the last 20 years. If you're looking to hire, the right candidate is closer than you think. Beta Gamma Sigma is the International Business Honor Society, exclusively for students at the top of their class in the top 5% of business schools in the world. BGS members are academic achievers, skilled leaders, and experienced problem solvers, and their skills and experience extend beyond the classroom. They hold chapter leadership positions, attend global business summits, complete ethics trainings, and engage in world-class internships with top corporations. When you hire a Beta Gamma Sigma member, you are truly hiring the best in business. For more information, email bgshonors at betagammasigma.org to learn more about how to hire BGS members. Welcome back. Well, let's, let's talk about what drama really looks like then. You know, we have an issue. Let's say uh, somebody comes in. Oh my gosh. You know, my, my kid fell yesterday, broke their, broke their uh, leg and I had to spend all the day, all day in the hospital. Okay. That's the end of the conversation. Is that drama? Not at all. No, but if now this is affecting everything that they do, oh my gosh, I can't believe my son is blah, 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 and yada, blah, and continues to talk about something like that. You know, now, Maybe that wasn't the best example, but it would be, you know, this person did me wrong and I'm just going to keep talking about it incessantly. You know, that's where the drama comes in. It's, it's not just saying it once, it's saying it multiple times. It's not letting it go. And that's where we can do a reframe for somebody, help them to see what's going on in their brain, because ultimately they're not able to be productive in any capacity. They're not going to be good for anybody at home. 
as well as anybody at work. And so at that point, if we can say, you know, just hold up our finger, hold up our hand and say, stop for a moment. Let's look at what you're saying and how you're saying it. And let's reframe that. You know, this thing happened. Yes, it happened. Let it go. Forgive, do whatever you need to do. Let it go. And think about how you can not have that happen again in the future, whether that's setting different boundaries, whether it's changing relationships, what have you. Well, and it's a really good point about the number of times. And I think, I think your example was challenging because it was about a real life incident. So it's less likely to be talked about unless it needs to, like it could be, Hey, my son broke his leg and they found out he needs surgery now, or the surgery didn't work. You know, this is just pe- start parts of people's lives. I think the yeah. drama label usually comes when they're taught, when people perceive it as talking about someone else or about a situation uh, that's not action or, or solution oriented. Now, to your point, I think sometimes it's not about solution. And, and usually what I'll do is I will state clearly why I need to speak of it. Yeah. Um, I've done it in the last couple of weeks where I've been talking to someone and I say, you know what? I need about 60 seconds to vent about something <laughs> because right now I'm not present because I'm carrying it. Yeah. And I know that literally that's just what I need. And I'm not going to talk about it ongoing. That's just a moment. I need to pop the balloon and let some yeah. air out. And then I'm like, okay, let's, let's go on. Cause that was <laughs> not about, and it wasn't about the solution, but it was a solution to the issue at hand. Yeah. Which was, I'm just amped up. I need to do something to let go of that right now so I can be present. So it's a tactic and a strategy that's intended to be a one-time thing. I think that's one of the things that we use in our meetings as well, Jeff, in that we we have a check-in, especially if we see that one of the other people is distracted. Um, we'll just do a check-in and say, okay, where are you right now? And you know, maybe there's that vent time, maybe it's a let go, maybe there's something to celebrate. You know, it could be a positive things as, as well. That hey, you know, I'm just really excited about this thing. I want to talk about it. You know, whatever kind of emotion it is, when we have emotions, sometimes they need release. And that check-in at the beginning of a meeting is very helpful. If you do meetings well, you will have conflict. And sometimes we need to let some of that go at the end of a meeting as well. Yeah, I think, you know, it's been interesting in this discussion, Craig, we've talked about business stuff. We've talked about personal, we've talked about self-tolerance, we've talked about relationship. And I think one thing we haven't talked a lot about is, and it's funny because if I get in front of a group and say, Hey, I want you to just pull out a piece of paper and write down (laughs) the first names of initials. If you're afraid to write the whole name of people that you feel like you're tolerating in some way right now. Wow. Yeah. Usually the reaction is a lot of writing and people sort of looking up going, Oh my God. Yes. I know. And it's like this. Yeah. That one too, because we, we have this belief that whether it's empathetic, whether we say it's being nice, which let's just get rid of the nice. I'm not sure what nice is in this context, frankly, but we tolerate people in our lives. And the way they are or the way they treat us, whether, as you said, Craig, it's some way the way they communicate with us or don't, uh, it could be energetic. You know, I struggle spending a lot of time around people who are regularly very down. And I'm not yeah. saying clinically depressed, but they're at it. Their perspective is very negative in my assessment. Right. 
Yep. And it's constant. It's repeated. You won't believe what happened. I said, you told me this six times. Do you want to do something about it or not? And, <laughs> yeah. and so what happens is that ends up being a, a drain for me. Right. And, and I will tell you, I have set boundaries in my life, even around family. Right. I don't cut my family off, but I change how I interact with them. Yep. If I'm just like, I can only take so much. I, I choose to only take so much of this. I think that's it's really important that you bring up the family issue because that's one of those things, you know, you, you can choose your friends, but you can't necessarily mm-hmm. choose your family. And it's like I had an issue this morning. Um, you know, one of my family members came into town, said, Hey, let's get together for dinner. I changed my schedule. You know, we're there. And then, you know, several hours later, Hey, would lunch be better? So I texted this person and said, uh, you know what, that, that has an impact on people because when you do that, now this other person isn't going to be able to join us and this, that, and the other. And the person said, uh, you're out of line. I don't think this is right. And I was like, no, you're not getting it. This is, this is a trigger for me because this person does it regularly. You know, they'll, they'll come into town set up uh, a time for everybody to get together. Everybody changes their plans to do that. And then this person changes their plans again. And so, you know, it's like, I'm out. I'm, I'm not going to be able to be effect, you know, be present in a good way. I'm not, I just can't participate in that. You know, I think that we've talked about so many different examples. And, and one thing I want to make sure we talk about, Craig, is, so what do we do with this awareness? <laughs> yes. What do we do with this self-empowerment or empowerment of others? It says, okay, I want to take a look at this. And I realized a few years ago after sharing this, that really all I was doing was beating people over the head. Yeah. Basically, right. high, I was doing the mirror and highlighting the tolerance and the impact, but I wasn't giving them a solution. And yeah. So you're, I said, hey, well, you're an idiot, but I'm not going to give any, any way to yeah, not be stop, an idiot. Yeah. The best, it, it basically stop being an idiot. Yeah. Right. Um, and said, okay, that doesn't feel fair and it's not helpful. <laughs> right. So I came up with what I call a tolerance assessment Okay. That you can use for business, for personal, you can do it and you're even in your own self-tolerance, the things you're tolerating within yourself and your behaviors and choices. And the process to me is just really helpful because it gives people a, a way to walk through in a very structured way, what can seem like um, a very emotional, unstructured, unstructured reality. Yeah. So the first is we're going to assess the tolerance, which means let's get really clear, either as a group or maybe as an individual, exactly what we're tolerating. And if it's about someone else, we've got to be really specific. So for example, it's not specific enough to say, uh, we're tolerating Jane because Jane's a bad employee. <laughs> no. What about Jane do you determine makes her a bad employee? Right. Not uh, following process, not treating people well, not not being a team player, not being resourceful. But I would say even more specific if you can. Okay. What process is Jane not okay. following? Yeah. Because Jane may follow 95 or 98% gotcha. of the policy. Mm-hmm. It's this one. Jane is not turning in her time as required by this date. Okay. So what exactly are we tolerating? Because until we get clear on what we're tolerating, how do we look at a solution? Yeah. We've never had, never had companies that have people that miss their expense reports or timesheets. 
Oh, no, no. (laughs) You know, some of that has changed over the years. I have to tell you a really quick, funny story. It's the funniest time expense or expense sheet story I've ever heard. When I first started practicing law, though, this was a few decades ago. The, the legend story within the firm was that one of the partners had gone to New York City uh, for a business trip. It was a business trip and lost his hat. And he put his hat on his expense report to replace his hat. And the controller kicked it back and said, no, 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 that's not acceptable expense. So the following month, the partner comes into the controller, hands him his expense sheet with all these receipts, and he hands it to him and he says, the hat's in there. See if you can find it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I've, I've seen the other side, which is, uh, hey, you know what? You didn't get your timesheet on time. You don't get paid. Well, that's an interesting one. I will tell you. That's tolerance. Right? That is one. But <laughs> that is one that a lot of places have resisted. Uh, I've encouraged that in some places. So this yeah. is really simple. If people don't have their time in, they don't get paid. Exactly. Oh my God, that could be an issue of uh, fair labor standards and all this. I said, I said <laughs> you you guys are blowing this way out of proportion, right? And then they'll say, well, we're gonna you know we're gonna charge you twenty five dollars. Oh, go, that's not person, that's not big enough, right? It's not enough to have an impact. So you just keep on tolerating and see how that goes. For yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so, so we we assess the tolerance. Then what? Then we do something that we probably think we've done, but we really haven't, is we assess the actual impact. Ooh. What is the impact, the full spectrum? What is the impact if it's in the organization or team? What's the impact on the team? What's the impact on the culture? What's the impact on me? What might be the impact on trust? And we're going to get really specific. Wow. Yeah. By tolerating this, this is all the things that are happening. Hmm. Including, by the way, the fact that if it's an organization, the rest of the team is going, I don't probably have to follow this. Right. Yeah. And they're wondering, why are you treating that person different than me? And now I don't like you. Now I don't trust you. I don't want to be here. <laughs> so there's going to be, it's going to be a lot. There is going there's to be a waterfall a effect to many, many issues. We've got to find out exactly what it is because a lot of times we sort of know it. But when you see the list, you kind of go, oh my God, I, I never thought about that. Because we don't, because we don't want to think about it. If I think about it, then I'm going to probably have to do something about it. Yeah. So we're going to assess the impact. And then we're going to do, these are all about honesty. Then we're going to assess <laughs> the risk. And what I mean is the risk of a change, whether it's making a change or suggesting a change or pursuing a change. For example, with the guy I mentioned earlier with his brother, yeah. the risk for him is Thanksgiving. That's one of the risks. Yeah. You know, what's my, what's my family life going to be back if I, God forbid, I fire my, my brother or I at least even confront him about it. It could affect our relationship and our family. So we're going to get, again, really specific about what's the risk. And, and <laughs> I encourage people to go deeper than their first answer because typically our first answer is not really the full truth. Okay, so let's let's pause there for a moment, and I'm going to say that one of the answers that 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 owner could have had was, "I'm going to hire a consultant, have the consultant tell my brother." <laughs> right? Oftentimes, we become chickens when we when we get into this situation because there is conflict, there is an issue that you're no longer going to tolerate, and when you mention it, the other people can feel defensive. They can feel like you know, there's this is unfair, you know, whatever that is. 
Well, especially if it's been going on a while. Right. Exactly. They may say, oh. well, why is this becoming an issue now? <clears throat> right. And that's where I have to own it and say, you know what? It has been an issue for a while and it's fully on me that I haven't addressed it before now. Great point. But it's now on me and I'm choosing to address it now. And I'm choosing to be conscious about my leadership and, and getting the company truly aligned around our values. Yeah. Okay. So, so we assess the risks. And so the next one seems like it's the, it's similar to that one, but it's actually a little different. We're going to actually assess the win. What are all the good things that could happen uh-huh. if we make a change? If we eliminate the tolerance or at least reduce it, some, we make some change in the tolerance. Certainly, the, the, the impact of a, the tolerance we talked about, the opposite is true, but you're going to find there's actually other wins. Like, for example, it might be, I'm just not going to be stressed every time I'm around that person. I'm not going to basically try and avoid conversations with other team members because I don't want to hear about it because I know it's true. I'm not going to avoid team members. So really assess what are the, the great things and even good things that could come out of making a change in this tolerance. Yeah. Because you're going to find a lot of them. Well, think about, you know, if if you're talking about maybe it's a relationship with your spouse or partner or, you know, when your children and now that issue that has been festering and that you have put underneath, you know, whatever layers of uh, non-communication, you know, it's coming out one way or another, but you finally decide to address it and say, you know what, this is, this is something that's impacting me and you can make it personal and you know, how, how can we deal with this? How can we change this so that I don't keep having the same feeling? Well, in a business setting, you're very likely to find out that one of the wins is financial. Yeah. Even though though some financial risk, there's a financial upside. Absolutely. Especially that's why we've got to look at this, the go as deep as possible to say, what is this impact of this? So for example, if you look at it and say, you know what, our turnover is X and there's probably a decent chance over the years that we've lost people because we tolerated this behavior. Yeah. So we're going to reduce our turnover, which means we're more profitable. (laughs) Not all going to be financial. A lot will be emotional, but we want to find the full range of the win. So now this point we can say, okay, we've been really clear and honest about what exactly we're tolerating. We've gotten really honest about the impact it's having on everyone. Hmm. Then we've talked about what are the risks. Let's just get, let's, we're not going to pretend there aren't any. There will always be risk. And then we're going to talk about what the wins could be from doing this. Yeah. How the outcome could be better. And now once we've done all those things, now we're going to do, and, and the word here is key, we're going to consciously choose a path. Hmm. And what notable about this is you're not hearing me or Craig say, you got to change it. Right. Because that's up to you. What we're setting up here is that you put yourself in a position to fully assess this personally yeah. and professionally, emotionally, tactically, uh, intellectually, financially, all of it, and then make a decision, which is we're going to keep it the same way. We're going to basically make something abrupt where we know it, like maybe it's an employee, we're going to fire them or something in between. Whatever you decide, make it a real, I call it a conscious choice because we've looked at everything now. Yeah. We've looked at the whole thing. Nothing's hidden. There's no, oh, I never thought about that. 
We make a decision and we proceed with whatever that decision is. Now, I think the next step needs to be communication because if we're, if we're making this decision in isolation, let's say we're doing that ourselves and now we're going to um, impose that on the team. Well, we need to let, let people know, you know what? I've allowed this to happen for a while. That's on me. We now need to, to do this this way because of these issues. You know, we, we haven't been following this particular value of taking care of our people and, and treating people with respect. That has had negative impacts. We've seen some people leave the company. And frankly, it's just not as enjoyable to work here. We're going to change that. And this is what the expectation is from this point forward. And we could also have that thing where we consciously choose to let somebody stay not performing a particular function for a while. Let's take a, a positive example. Mary just had a baby. Now, she has a lot of other things going on as a new mother, and we're going to give her a little slack. We're going to not have to have her do these things for a period of time. It's a conscious decision. That doesn't mean that everybody else is off the hook. Well, absolutely. And the other thing I'd add is around the communication, here comes the other side of it. <laughs> and this is maybe the really scary part. If you choose to continue the tolerance, yeah. my strong encouragement is have the conversation as well. Yep, absolutely. And tell people as much as you can without violating confidentiality about your process mm. and let them know that you've chosen this path. And here's why. It may may seem like, oh my God, why would I do that? Because they're already concluding. And what they're concluding is that you either have been, either you're not paying attention right, or that you've been thoughtful and you're an idiot. Or that you don't care. Or you don't care. The more that we can just be transparent with the people around us, especially those that are impacted and maybe they're not the target of the tolerance issue. So they can, they can now discern because be, they're already judging you. Now they're yeah, at least right. going to judge you on exactly what's going on. So, you know, what that means is, and here's the hard part. If you go and your decision is, let's say with this business partner, because they generate revenue. You know what? Um, looked at it. They generate so much revenue for her. I know it. I, I get that it's not fair all the time, uh, but that revenue is significant here. And we're going to choose to do that. And I get that that may have an impact on how you see me and this company. Uh, but and we're, we're going to get decision. a coach for this person, you know, right. or, or maybe some is. other remediation. Whatever it is. Yeah. So we're going to make a conscious decision and communicate it. Yeah. And then what's the last step, Jeff? The last one is whatever we decide and we've taken all the actions we committed to or not and we've communicated, we're going to let it go. This is no longer a topic of conversation. And, wow. and part of this is to say, look, we've kept it as a distraction in the past. Hmm. So what that would mean is, if let's say it's someone who's not following a, a turning in time process, that we constantly talk about them. We're literally not allowed to talk about them anymore. Once we've made this decision, unless or until we decide to revisit this. Yeah, It's off the table. It's not a discussion. So literally, if someone comes into a meeting, uh, a staff meeting, and says, oh, my God, Bill is still not. I said, wait a minute. We don't like it, but we made a decision for whatever reason that we were going to allow this or to keep it here. We're done talking about it. 
Because what we don't need is to keep talking about something that we've now made a decision on. That's why we talked so much about it before. It's because we didn't make a decision. We just want to talk about it and complain about it. That's not, that doesn't serve anybody. It really doesn't. And so we're, we let it go. We're going to stick with our decision, whatever that decision is. Yeah. Wow. So when we look at this, this tolerance, then it really is something that requires some courage because it means that we're going to have a, you know, potentially a difficult conversation. Now, there's nothing saying that you have to step into that with a state of anger or anything else like that. In fact, I would suggest that you meditate, you pray, you do whatever you do before you step into that place, you become fully present, and then you have that discussion. You, you plan out what that discussion is going to be like and what you're going to allow and what you're not going to allow. If this person, for example, flies off the handle, if you ever suggest that they do, it, do anything wrong, then you just calmly say, that's not acceptable. That the way that you just responded to that is not how we do things here. Well, I love that. And there's one piece we need to add here, Craig, and I I'm, can't believe we missed it up to this point. It's so <laughs> vital. Is a, there's, a, there's a power question here. Oh, yeah, yeah. That fits this situation, especially if there's anything about differing treatment, different following or expectations. Yeah. To go to that person and just at whatever the thing is, Ask him this question. Do you think it's fair that, do you think it's fair that everyone turns their time on time and you don't? Do you think it's fair that we expect people to communicate in a um, respectful manner here and you don't? Do you think it's fair that everyone follows this policy except you? The reason, there's two reasons that's a powerful question. One is what our brains do is our brains automatically and honestly answer questions. They can't, you can't stop. (laughs) So whatever the truth is there, that was the answer that hit them. Wow. Now that doesn't mean they're going to admit it, but they got you, they can't defend against that question. And second of all, because it gets to fairness, it gives that person an opportunity to what I call um, disclose themselves to you. (laughs) Because essentially now they're in a position of saying, I don't care if it's fair. Um, yeah, it's not fair, but I'm an owner. That is a revealing question. And now I can make a decision without guessing what they believe, yeah. but knowing what they believe about that. And now you have a choice. Okay. Are you going to deal with that? So let's say it's an owner. It's, there's power differential. You don't have control over that other person. You can choose to leave. You don't have to stay there and be subject to the other person's, you know, being a bad person. Well, or, Maya Angelou said that uh, something to the effect of when people show you who they are, believe them. <laughs> but a lot well, of times what I would add to that is too often I'll say, this is what I think, this is what I believe about them, which yeah. is fair if yep. they've shown me that, but those types of questions. And I really love that question. Uh, And I will tell you, it stops people in their tracks because when I offer it to people in a room, they'll say, oh my God. I said, what do you think they're going to do with that? And they go, well, they're probably going to be pissed off. I said, well, if they're pissed off at the question, then it tells you something about this. It means at some level they're going, yep, you just hit me. And that same question can be used at home too. You know, son, is it really fair that we have to pick up your room because it's such an atrocious place and we find, you know, old food containers and 
you know, cockroaches and everything in your, in your room, you know, is that really fair that we have to deal with that? It's actually where I learned this idea. I took it from a guy that wrote a book on parenting. Okay, great. Yep, and that's exactly virtually what he would say instead of going to his child and saying, hey, you know what? It's not fair that your mom and I take care of all this and you don't take yeah. care of the garbage. Right. It was, do you think it's fair that your mom and I take care of all these other things and you don't take care of these couple of things that are your yep. responsibility? Absolutely. And what he learned was in the research that no matter what they say, the answer got through to them. Hmm. And if they really don't care, then whatever, no matter what you say to them, it's not going to change it. Yeah. It's a way to get to people's, here's, here's the reality. Small percentage of people do the things we're talking about. Don't follow policies, do it their way, engage in behavior that no, they know doesn't align with the values of the people or the organization. They know it, but most people, it's very unconscious. Yeah. They convince themselves that it's not really an issue. They've convinced themselves perhaps that it doesn't have an impact. And by the way, to be clear, in that process, as we go through this, if we're going to take action, we want to share that with that person. Here's the 15 things that are impact of this. Yeah. Here's how there's the 20 wins from this. And by the way, here's what my concerns are. Tell them. Here's what my risk is. My my concern is that if we expect you to follow the policy, you might leave. Yet this is so important to who we are because you can change people's, you can in fact change people's perspective by helping them to see the impact of mm. their choices themselves. So good. And I think most people want to do good, but you're right. There are some people that just don't care. And frankly, you know, unless you have a very strange organization, those are the kind of people you just don't want to have in your organization <laughs> or as a spouse for sure. Right. So I guess the, the closing thought here is take a look at your tolerance. Yes. What And who are you tolerating at work in your leadership at play and your friendships and your relationships, even within yourself, yes. take a look, assess, run through the process and make a clear conscious decision about what you're going to do to change things. And it would be really helpful if you can also get some external perspective on that so that, so that you, you may have somebody that you've talked to a lot that maybe you have shared your frustrations with somebody else and maybe you've forgotten some of those things. Just say, what are some of the points that really come up for you that, that maybe I'm tolerating? And they may have some good answers for you. And they may see some things that you don't see as well. We hope that you're able to tolerate less bad stuff and more good stuff and have a better quality of life based on this particular podcast episode. The world's best known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.